is uh, 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. It's just awesome how uh, the Word of God dovetails itself. Um, verses flow with other verses. They're not contradictory. And there's not one story here that doesn't agree with one story here. Amen? You guys, you guys like that aspect of it, I hope? <laughs> um, and the, the, the Word of God is a living book. It is the living words, Word of God, uh, inerrant, infallible, inspired. God, God breathed His Word, and, and uh, we have the privilege of preservation to give us a perfectly preserved uh, words of God here to us today. And, and I don't know if I'd want to go through life not having God's word. Um, man, that would, be, that would be a bummer. That would be tragic. But unfortunately, there are nations, there are people groups that don't have God's word uh, in their language. And uh, that's, a, that's a tragedy. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, he allowed us the opportunity by his grace to have his word here with us. Uh, Psalm 18 is what we're going to be looking at. Uh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to be doing somewhat of a study of the Holy Spirit, I guess, an aspect or a characteristic trait of the Holy Spirit of God. And I thought, so those songs were not the songs that I chose. I don't know how they got swapped. Is it because you didn't know some of them, Krista, or... <laughs> okay, so, um, but the songs that were chosen probably fit better uh, with my message than the ones that I chose um, and prayed about throughout the week. So um, that's pretty amazing, pretty neat. What did we sing? Uh, what was the last two? Is your all on the altar? And then uh, the last one was uh, Spirit of the Living God, um, Fall Fresh on Me. So the emphasis on the Holy Spirit in both of those. And We'll see here, um, God is the wind or the wings of the wind. God is the wind in particular. Um, and uh, one of the characteristics of Holy Spirit is that uh, is the force of a wind. The Bible says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. You can't see the wind, but you can feel the wind. You know that it's there because you feel it, you can sense it uh, with certain senses, uh, not with the sense of the eye, but I mean, you can see a tree blowing in the wind and you know that a wind is, is there. Uh, but Holy Spirit is the same in that you can't see him, uh, but we know that he's there. Especially believers know that he's there because he resides in our hearts. He abides in us. And so there's a force of the Holy Spirit of God, and we'll see that force here, the force of the wind. Psalm 18, verse 1, the psalmist says, uh, David says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and he cried, un and uh, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. 
and my cry came before him, even into his ears. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth. Devoured, devoured coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub, and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He did fly upon the wings of the wind. I read verse number 10, and I never really had thought about uh, the Lord flying on a cherub, flying on an angel. I just thought, man, he'd get around himself. He'd, he'd, if he wanted to fly, he'd do it himself, right? Well, the, the word of God says, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. Now look at 2 Samuel 22, 2 Samuel 22, parallel passage. And the parallel passage is the character of the psalm writer. We'll see here. Second uh, Samuel 22, verse 11. So dogmatically, I'm not... The word of God says he wrote upon a cherub. This is the, the psalmist David is the one that is saying that he did this. And look at verse number 11, it says, And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. Verse number 10 of Psalm 18 says, And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. Same exact verse, same exact phrase, uh, two different passages there, uh, but all the word of God. Let's pray. Father, I need you. I pray that you'd help us this evening to receive what you have for us. May we understand you a little more, God, perhaps. May we be drawn a little closer to you. Lord, I thank you for those that are out this evening, Lord, and good day we had this morning, and uh, thank you for all those that were out and assembled around your word, and and uh, I enjoyed my time, and um, Lord, I but it's it's for you, Lord. It's not for me, and Lord, I pray you bless us, uh, bless the time here that's spent as we gather and, and delve into this study here in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> in my mind, I can still see the picture of uh, my child, one of my first Bible, I think it was, that had a picture of uh, the Lord on an angel. And uh, if I remember right, it might have had a zipper. How many had a How many have a zipper on your Bible today? Anybody? It's not important, I guess, but um, the uh, child Bible there, and it had pictures on the cover, and Jesus was uh, on this angel, and he was, he was flying. Um, he had a fierce countenance, and he was riding on an angel with massive wings, and he was riding the strong currents of the wind. And God says in both 2 Samuel 22, verse 11, and also Psalm 18, verse 10, near identical wording, I think they are identical uh, wording, save the, the few words uh, leading up to them. One starts off with, and he rode upon the cherub, actually they both do, and he rode upon a cherub and did fly, and he was seen upon, and he did fly upon the wings of the wind, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. But uh, it made an awesome impression in my mind. How many have uh, pictures in their minds that you have seen something maybe growing up and, and that's how you, that's your stereotype or that's your, is it the stereotype? That's what you think when you think of something. Um, for instance, a picture, how many have ever seen the old man sitting at the table with his hands crossed and there's a loaf of bread 
and uh, he's praying, and he's, he's praying for our daily bread. Anybody ever seen that? Or the picture of Jesus, and I think uh, it's, his, it's his, like his profile. He's got long hair. I disagree with that, uh, that he had long hair, that he couldn't be distinguished between a man and a woman. Doth not even nature itself teach that a man have long hair? It is a shame unto him, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians. But, um, but uh, I see that, and that's one of the first... Um, one of the first images that I have is a picture of Jesus in my mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've seen that uh, portrait as well, I guess. Um, and so images are, are powerful, and uh, this image is something that I'd remembered uh, from, from uh, my first Bible. But it made an impression on my youthful mind that God controls uh, the winds. And the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 25, for he uh, commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. And uh, from our point of view here, there's a, there's a mystery associated with the wind. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Throughout the Bible, we see God sends a message along with the wind. Now, a little, little background regarding uh, this idea of God as the wind or the wings of the wind. The Greek word pneuma means a current of air, breath, or a breeze. By analogy or figuratively, a spirit. Now, um, all scripture is given by inspiration or the breath of God, the pneuma of God. And uh, when we study the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, who knows what it's called? The study of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit starts with the first part of the word we're talking about. I know you know it. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit. What is it called? Pneuma? Pneuma? Pneumatology. Raise your hand if you knew that. You just wouldn't come off your tongue. Okay. All right, I thought we knew that. Doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the study of the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology. And so, or the, the wind, the breath, um, it means a current or air or breath or breeze. And so, uh, but tonight we're going to see some facts regarding the wings and the wind of God. Number one, regarding that, the, regarding the wind of God or the wings of God, if you will. Number one, we may go against the wind. We may go against the wind. Turn to Jonah. We're going to do a lot of turning here. Jonah chapter 1. Turn to Jonah 1. We'll be in Jonah probably for the most first, first point here. Jonah chapter 1, and say amen when you get there. I already had my ribbon on there, so amen. If you have it digitally, you could say amen sooner probably than some. <clears throat> Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1. And when we think about um, this wind or the, the wind or the breath of God going, uh, going along with the, the wings of the wind, with the wings of God, uh, number one, we may go against the wind. We may try to go against the wind or the will of God, the, the power of God, but we, we're never going to win, Okay. We're never going to win when we try to go against the, the things of God. Um, Saul, uh, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why kickest against the pricks? Why are you trying to go against uh, 
against me. And of course, Jonah was a prime example of somebody who went against the will or the uh, direction of God. And Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, uh, let's read it uh, there, read it along uh, with me. It says, Jonah was commanded to go to Nineveh here. And it says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up from before me. Verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it uh, to it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. And you know the story, you're familiar, uh, but the, the Bible says the Lord sent this wind and uh, this wind was to get him shaken up here and uh, to wake him up and, uh, and, uh, and to try to get him to turn. And, and uh, God didn't force him, but God uh, certainly uh, made him uh, start to think second about that he should obey what God told him to do to begin with. And the point is this, that we can try to go against the wind of God. We can try to go against the will of God, but it's a dumb thing to do. And we're never going to win against the will, against uh, the power and the force of God. When we wander from the will of God, we are going against the wind. No matter how, how hard we try uh, to get out of the mess that we've gotten into, we'll get nowhere until we submit to the will of God for our lives. How many have ever been there before? You, uh, man, you knew that maybe God was leading in some capacity. And you just, you resisted it, you resisted. I think of a call to preach. If anybody's ever been there, you know that God has called you to preach. Um, that um, for my sake, it was like, no, God, why would you want me to preach? You know, I, I can't do that. And um, and then I think sometimes then I hear preachers and like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> and then hopefully if you see me, you're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> But, um, no, I remember the resistance of it. Man, that, it's totally changed my, my life. Totally, if I surrender to preach, if I surrender to the Lord's, the Lord's will to do what he wants, it totally is going to go against what I've been planning for my life. And uh, when we wander from the will of God, we're going against the wind. No matter how hard we try uh, to get out of the mess we've gotten into, we'll get nowhere until we submit to the will of God for our lives. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice made? Your spirit, your heart, does the spirit control? You can only have rest, you can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Have you yielded your body and soul to the Lord? We may try to go against the wind, but it's a it's a it's a it's not a wise thing to do. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of life. It's a waste of money. Let's surrender to the wind of God. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. In James chapter 1, verse 6, God points out, he says this, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Uh, you'll be like a rag doll on the sea of life should you decide to fight against God's plan for your life. I think of the, uh, I think it's the Proverbs verse. It talks about the drunkard 
that, uh, yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth upon the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. Thou hast stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. Thou hast beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Talking about uh, intoxicating, talking about alcohol. And, uh, but, but he's talking about here how it's, uh, how we go against uh, the, the, the wind of God, the will of God. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Gamaliel warned in uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 35, it says this. He says, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that ye intend to do as touching these men. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. How foolish is it to fight against God? Yet, yet we do it. We do it so many times, on a, even on a daily basis. We go against what we know God wants us to do. We, 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 uh, we think on things that we ought not think about. We, we harbor feelings of, of, of bitterness or what have you uh, that uh, we ought not. We ought to cast uh, to the Lord, and uh, we go against God. Mark this truth down. If anybody fights against God... He'll always win. He'll always win. The Bible says in Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. I read that because the Bible talks in Daniel, it talks about some nations that forget God. In the book of Daniel, uh, God prophesied through his servant uh, this very truth here. It was uh, talking about Rome. It was talking about um, Greece. It was talking about uh, Media and Persia, the Medes and Persians, and, and was talking about Babylon. But uh, the, the iron represented Rome in Daniel chapter 2, verse 35. The clay, which was the, the material that man is made of, it, it was uh, talking about uh, Rome, the brass was in reference to Greece, the silver uh, to the Medes and Persians, and the gold was referencing Babylon, uh, and it all had been broken into pieces uh, uh, together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, the Bible says, and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain filled with the whole earth. And so God has no problem taking the wind and blowing the nations that forget him uh, into a mere memory. God has no problem with, uh, we, don't, we don't find America in the word of God and in uh, the book of Revelation. We don't see United States of America. We see maybe uh, some have compared Babylon, the great Babylon, but I believe that's referring to Babylon. And it very well could be that there is no America at the end of the world, that God has, has wiped us clean because of our disobedience, because of our sin. Well, it's foolish to go against the wind of God. It's foolish to go against the will of God, the work of God, the plan of God. We saw that this morning with those that went against God's man, Daniel. And uh, it'd be foolish to go against the wind, especially as a prophet. Could you imagine being Jonah and uh, going against what God had commanded you to do? Now, obviously... You know, it's uh, sometimes you just have to be in that person's shoes, I understand. But uh, a prophet, God called prophet, that God told you to go and preach repentance to these people here. 
and uh, running from God's call and command to you to go do that, well, that's exactly what Jonah did. And when I think of this idea of going against the wind of God, I think of, uh, I think of a fish trying to go upstream. Now, I know sometimes they make it, and they'll get to where they need to be, typically, and they'll spawn oftentimes, but how many of them don't, or maybe that, that stream gets smaller, or it's not as, you know, it's not as strong as it was when they, when they, were, when they were born, and now they're trying to get up, and they, they can't make it. They're going against the stream. It's just a dumb thing. So much easier to just go with the flow. I think of a bird. I often, I saw a bird the other day, and I was thinking of this. Uh, in regards to it. You see a bird up in the sky and the wind's blowing and that bird is going against the wind and it's just got his wings out and it's just soaring like this. It's not getting anywhere. You look up and it's in the same exact position. It may flap its wings every once in a while, but it's staying still because it's going against that wind. And all it has to do is turn its wings and it could shoot off with the, with the flow of the wind. That's what I think of when I think about going against the wind of God, going against the, the, the will of God. It's not making any progress. Regarding the wind of God, we, we may go against the wind, we may try to go against the wind, but it's a losing battle and it's a foolish thing to do. Number two, regarding the wind, we may be tested in the wind. I think of the passage from this morning, certainly Daniel was, went into one of those tests he was tested by the will of God. He was tested by the wind of God. I think of Jesus. Turn to uh, Matthew 14. I think of the disciples here. Matthew 14. Jesus had ordered the disciples to go to the other side of the uh, the other side of the uh, lake there in, in uh, Matthew 14 and in verse number 22. And it was a test. Uh, they got a, uh, it allowed them to go into this test here as they went across. It says, verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before uh, him unto the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, I want you to think about this. Keep in mind that this trip was designated for the disciples. Um, look at verse number 20, uh, Matthew 14, verse 24. It says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Once the wind hit the disciples, they could no longer successfully navigate. And uh, then in, in uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, it says this in verse 48, it says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And so we understand this was a, this was a test. Hey, come on in here, uh, but the wind is contrary and, but how would they respond? We need to remember that God controls the wind. Circumstances are never out of his control. He allowed them to be in the wind with him. He allowed them to, to come in there and, and uh, to test them. But God controlled the wind. He controls the circumstances. They're never out of his control. I love what was said earlier in John chapter 6 when uh, there was the feeding of the multitude. You guys are familiar with that story. Um, but uh, John said this as he was telling it in the feeding of the multitude. He said, Jesus said, uh, he asked him, um, uh, Jesus said, how are we going to feed all of these here? And it says, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. 
Although this statement is in reference to the feeding of the multitude, it pertains to this same event. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do in getting the disciples across there. He knew exactly what he was going to do during the trial. He knew exactly what he was going to do as they were going against the wind and God allowed the trial to, to come into their lives at the time. Jesus always knows what he's going to do in our circumstances, in the trials of our lives. We may not know. And um, that's, that's very hard for us, yes, but we need to remember that Jesus knows. And this he said to prove him, uh, for he himself knew what he would do. God allows trials sometimes. We may be tested with his wind, with the wind that he allows, the wind of his Holy Spirit, the wind of circumstances in life, the, the wind of a natural occurrence, uh, perhaps. God knows what's going on all the time, every time, and it's not catching him by surprise. The disciples are set up for the test. Uh, look at John 6. Look at John 6. The point is this, that we may be tested in the wind. We may be tested by the wind of God. Whatever wind it is, God, God is sovereign, and he allows, and uh, it's, it hasn't caught him off guard. Look at John uh, 6, verse 17. It says, And he entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So there's a great wind that blew, and the Lord had allowed this to happen. He called him into the ship there and, and was bringing him across. But I want to ask you, have you ever been caught in a great wind? Have you ever been in a, in a, in a wind? I, I can't say that I have out here, but being in the desert of California, uh, there are winds that will pick up Las Vegas area, the southwestern region of the United States, and uh, on the campus, our Bible college campus, one of our cleanup, when we had cleanup days, it often consist of carrying tumbleweeds off because tumbleweeds would blow. And I'm not exaggerating. I've seen tumbleweeds the size of my vehicle and you're driving along in your car, and you got a tumbleweed coming down the road or crossing the road, and uh, kind of uh, kind of fun, I guess, uh, but playing, playing dodge. What is that video game with the frogger? Um, but <clears throat> I'm not exaggerating. There have been huge tumbleweeds, but I've been in windstorms where the wind had been blowing, and it, I, I guess kind of like a blizzard mentality is what, what you can picture out here a white out blizzard mentality with the wind but it would be with sand in the in california out there and and uh, totally you know you can't see what's going on and um let's see where am i with this here a great wind i've been in some strong winds and I've seen uh, some, some, some winds, and, and you can't open your eyes. you got to have glasses sometimes or put on goggles and, or going in some sand dunes, riding in sand dunes, and you want to have goggles on because the sand can get kicked up in your face there. But the words of Jesus, when he and Peter got into that boat after their walk on the water, is in John 6, verse 20. Look over a few verses from, from where we were. John 6, verse 20, he said, But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. So 
the wind had kicked up the boat there, and they were being tossed, and they were going against the current of the of the uh, of the of the sea there of the of the lake. And and he saith unto them, It is I. Be not afraid. Then they willingly received in him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. All they needed was Jesus. All they needed was to uh, to to realize that he's got everything under control and. There was a miracle that had happened that seemed to be seemed to have gotten lost between Peter walking on the water and the Lord calming the sea. The Bible says that although they were not near the land, as soon as Jesus was in the boat, they were at the shore. You know, things move when Jesus is on board. Uh, Jesus asked Peter at this event, he says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And the test was to see if he would trust God even uh, when the winds were picking up. And uh, we'll have tests in our life as well that uh, the wind will pick up, and God wants to know, will we have uh, trust in Him? Will we have faith in Him even uh, when the winds are picking up? Will we have confidence and faith in Him? The trust here uh, should have kicked in the moment Jesus instructed them to go uh, to the other side. Now, the trust should kick in when we get a command, when we get a word from God, when God instructs us to do something. Uh, With the calling comes the enabling. Now, this is a side note, but I just love it. Uh, This is something that just uh, been looking for an opportunity to share this here. Um, It's so encouraging, especially if you're a preacher. When God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. (laughs) That'll encourage you, right? Whatever it is, not just, not just the, the, the calling to preach his word, but whatever it is, he already factored in your stupidity. He already knew that he'd be with you to see you through the circumstance and situation. And so we need to have faith and confidence in him uh, with these winds uh, in our lives. We may be tested in the wind. Um, let's see, I'm getting, uh, getting a little lengthy here. Oh, no chiming from the peanut gallery there, Rocky. Um, Let's see. What do we do with the wind of God? We ought to let her drive, uh, the Bible says in in Acts chapter 27, verse 7. I'm just going to read this here. Great uh, reference here. But, and when they had sailed slowly many days and uh, scarce were come over against uh, Sinaitis, the wind was, the wind not suffering us, we sailed unto Crete over against Salmon, uh, but not long after, there arose against a tempestuous wind called Eurocledon, Eurocledon, and uh, the word Eurocledon, it means this, it means a storm from the east, and the Bible says once this violent wind hit them, there was only one thing to do, and it's found in verse number 15 of Acts chapter 27. It says, and the ship was caught and could not bear up the wind, and uh, they said, we let her drive, we let her drive. When the winds of life pick up, when the wind of the Spirit of God picks up in our lives and and there's a tempestuous storm or trial or situation or question, we need to let the wind of God go take us and uh, we do what they said, we let her drive. Let's let the wind of God drive us to where he wants us to be. What do we do with the wind of God? We let her drive. Until Jesus steps in into the boat. Number one, regarding the wind of God. Number number one, we may go against the wind. 
but it's a foolish thing to do. Number two, we may be tested in the wind, and we need to have faith and confidence in God. And then number three, we should surrender to God's wind. We should surrender to the wind of God. We should surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. Let me put it in that term there. When I think of this idea of surrender, I think back to that bird flying against the wind and just hovering, just soaring there. Man, I think of a, a great visual would be like at a beach, maybe even here at Lake Michigan, there's seagulls around, and they just uh, open their wings, and they'll, they'll just soar. I think of an eagle soaring, but... Um, <clears throat> I think of this uh, bird that's soaring. I think back to that bird flying against the wind. If that bird will turn around, he'll soar with the force of the wind. I think of a surfer catching a wave. On big surf days, you can, you can paddle out. And when I was there back in February, they were having surf competitions. And there were people, there, were, there was, I guess it wasn't too exaggeratingly crazy. But uh, there are people, if you surf, you, you paddle out. You're paddling against the surf, typically. You're going against the waves. You're trying to come in over here on this side, and the, the surf is going this way. You're trying to come around behind it. Because as you try to go in directly into the surf, man, it's a, it's a, losing, it's a losing battle. You might, you might finally get out there, but you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're probably going to be flipped over uh, from the waves if they're big enough. And uh, it's all you can do. It's not worth doing all that work just to get out there and, and ride a one-minute wave. I think, of, uh, I think of a surfer catching a wave, uh, surrendering uh, to the wind of God. You get out there on that wave, though, and if, you, if uh, you're, you're smart, you came around on the backside maybe, you didn't have to exert so much energy to catch that set, to catch those waves, you get on that wave, man, and you just let that wave take you. And you're surrendering to the force of that wind, the force of that surf, and it's a good place to be. The disciples were tested and they were tried for three and a half years with the master of the wind. And now the command of the Lord is in Luke chapter 24 and in verse 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued from power, uh, for, with power from on high. Too often here in closing, too often we attempt to do, the, uh, to do the Lord's work without the Lord. And when we're attempting to do the Lord's work without the Lord, that's when we're going to get burnt out. That's when we're going to get frustrated. That's when we're going to, you know, our, our testimonies are going to be uh, tested. And uh, we're gonna uh, be uh, <clears throat> we're gonna be tempted to give in uh, to the flesh. Well, when when David was running uh, for his life from Saul, God gave him the vision that we read in Psalm 18, verse 10, and also we read of the account in 2 Samuel 22, verse 11. David knew he needed the power of God. David knew that he needed the wind of the Spirit of God uh, to, to empower him to accomplish anything for God. When Jesus gave himself on, a cross, on the cross and was crucified, the devil thought that he had Jesus. When Christ died on the cross, all hell may have rejoiced. But the joy was soon over when Jesus rose again from the dead and the devil couldn't deprive the disciples of Jesus and Christ's death. Because once the disciples obeyed the Lord and waited until they were empowered and filled with the Spirit of God, Christ was now with them. Christ was now with us. 
and he's with them until the end of the world and beyond. And what did they need to do? They needed to surrender to the wind of his Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing we need to do today, folks. We need to surrender to the will, uh, the wind of the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, the account of Pentecost, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house uh, where they were sitting. So the challenge is this this evening. Let's consider the uh, God is the wind or the wings of the wind. Uh, let's consider surrendering to the will of God, uh, not just today, but every day. As we wake up, may we consider the wind that God has for us uh, for that day. Let's trust the master of the wings of the wind. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the analogies in scripture. I thank you for the types. I thank you for the pictures. Lord, I thank you for no contradictions. God, I thank you for uh, two different passages here and and uh, their explanation or examples of, of you, your Holy Spirit, as wind. Or may we harness that wind. I think of an example of a turbine or a windmill. What does a windmill do? A windmill harvest, uh, harnesses the, the power of the wind. May we harness, may you harness us that we may have your power and be used of you. God, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Pray that you'd help me to be surrendered and yielded to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand here this evening. Let's have a time of invitation, and uh, we'll sing uh, one stanza here, I Surrender All, page number 287, 287.